A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co/insomnia. If I tell you, sex problem and sleep problem. Actually, are very similar in many ways. Do you believe in it? Let's use performance anxiety as an example. We talk about sleep performance anxiety before. The more we want to control sleep, the more we want to sleep well, the worse the sleep gets. Sex is the same. The more we focused on how well we perform, how good we can do, how we can make our partner satisfied. The worse the sex can get. So, how to wrap our head around this? How to understand the association between sleep and sex? And most important, possibly many of you want to know how to improve our sex quality, sex health in general. So today, our guest is Dr. Brittany Blair. She is board-certified sleep medicine specialist. And a board-certified sex medicine specialist, she is also the founder of a very big group practice in San Francisco Bay Area called The Clinic. If we want to know how sleep and sex interfere with each other and how to improve sex health, possibly no one would know it better than Dr. Blair. I'm really excited about this. Are you ready? Let's go. Dr. Blair, welcome to the、um, podcast. Thank you. So I'm really excited to have you because I know you are board certified in both sleep medicine and sexual medicine.、Mm-hmm. So I'm very curious, what、uh, got you interested and enter the field of sex medicine on top of sleep medicine training? Yeah, it's a great question. I always like to say the very First year, I was like to say actually both are two of my favorite things, and I didn't realize that、um, there were so many people struggled with the in these areas.、Um, so my very first year of graduate school, I went to a workshop at Stanford on sexual health, and I was shocked to learn that one in every two women and one in every basically three and a half men,、um, roughly like thirty seven percent of men have a sexual complaint. So fifty percent of women and thirty seven percent of men have a sexual problem, and then I started. To research treatments and how effective they are, and I just decided then and there that this would be my life's work because treatment is very effective. It's very effective relatively quickly,、um, and lots of people are suffering. So I decided this would this is what I wanted to do. I actually had no interest in being a sleep doctor、um, until my third year of graduate school. I was kind of forced, you know, when we're in grad school, we don't have the option of kind of choosing what we want to study. We're forced into different clinics,、um, and so I was I was、um, assigned to a sleep clinic. And I was like, "What does psychologist have to do with sleep?"、Uh, and then started treating insomnia and saw people who would come in that were like green, you know, suffering from from lack of sleep. And then, you know, just four to six weeks later, they were doing really well. So I got kind of hooked on hooked on sleep in my third year, and so did a、um, uh, fellowship basically at UCS UCLA in couples and sex therapy, and then one at Stanford. I did my postdoc at Stanford in sleep sleep medicine. So, yeah. 
Wow, great. So we, we both know sleep medicine, the treatment, like you mentioned, it's short, it's quick, it's very effective. How about uh, sex therapy? Is that a long-term therapy or is also kind of efficient? It's efficient. It depends on the problem, but sex therapy tends to be very problem and solution focused. Um, so it's not meant to be, you know, years long in therapy, exploring what happened in childhood. It's very much thinking about what is leading to the problem and giving really specific behavioral recommendations, as well as doing some cognitive work around if people need it around um, the sexual dysfunction. So for example, with erectile dysfunction, one of the things that most commonly happens is people become very anxious about obtaining an erection during their next sexual encounter, which then makes it likely for them to lose their erection or not be able to obtain it in their next sexual encounter. So performance anxiety actually plays a really significant role. In a similar way that performance anxiety plays a role with sleep, you know, if someone has insomnia and they have this experience of going to bed, not being able to fall asleep or waking up and can't get back to sleep, all of a sudden the sleep becomes some anxiety provoking, right? And that's where right. kind of the problem is perpetuated by that because of the anxiety and the same with, with sexual health as well. So people will start, you know, either avoiding it or getting highly anxious around erotic encounters. That's so interesting how sleep and the sexual problems can be so similar in a way. Then as because you are possibly one of the very rare psychologists I ever heard of in both field who are expert. So what have you noticed that is there any overlap between these two fields? Like uh, sleep impact sex, for example, or sex um, dysfunction or difficulties impact sleep somehow? Yeah, they definitely. So we, I can speak to that piece around how they actually interact sex and sleep. Um, there are a couple of interesting points there. But the underlying mechanism that facilitates sexual wellness and sleep wellness are very similar. So one of the things I work with a lot of like executives in, in Silicon Valley, and I always say, you know, if you, if you give them most problems, they'll give you, mo give you the solutions to almost every problem, right? They give you, you give them a problem and they'll give you 10 solutions with sleep and sexual health. The more you try to solve the problem, oftentimes the less well things go. So with both of these aspects of our health, it is optimized by our ability to let go, to let go and let our body take over. Sleep and sex are very primal systems. Um, the body knows what it needs to do and what it has to do, right? We need to sleep and we need sex uh, to survive. We sex as a species, we need to, just to survive. It's when our head gets in the way of either one of those that things tend to go sideways. So how sleep problems and sexual problems interact Sometimes they don't always, lots of people have sleep problems and no problems with their sexual health. And a lot of people have sexual health problems and zero problems with sleep. So they don't always interact. But one of the ways they do is if you're getting insufficient sleep, um, oftentimes you notice a drop in libido. Stress isn't the number one libido killer. So 85% of people when stressed report like low or no desire and sleep problems can also just affect generally your health and how your body's functioning. Um, in addition, if you're not sleeping well, the bed gets paired with anxiety around the sleep. And for most people, that's where most of their erotic activity comes, you know, happens is, is when they're, when they're in bed. And for sex, similarly, if you're having um, a sexual, some type of problem with your sexual health, the bed and bedroom often get paired with anxiety, right? So that can actually impact your sleep. In addition, um, sex is one of the top three things that couples fight about. 
And so if you're in conflict with your partner around sex, and then you expect your body to get in and fall asleep next to this person that you're in conflict about, you can be kind of activated. So those are just kind of some of the ways that people who have both the way these things interact. Also, we know that sex before bed is a great way to calm the mind and prepare the mind for sleep. Um, so that kind of is a positive way that they they interact is if people are um, having sex, especially pleasurable sex, uh, right before bed, they can, it actually can be a way to kind of relax and prepare the body and the mind for sleep. Yeah, for the relaxation part, I know a lot of people like to have sex before bedtime or masturbation before bedtime that can help them relax and fall asleep easier. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. I also heard, I think I heard you mention once that for people with sleep apnea, actually that has something to do with their sexual health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The number, one of the number one physiological symptoms of sleep apnea is erectile dysfunction. For folks who really struggle to adhere to their CPAP machine, for the men that I work with that have trouble adhering to the you know, treatment for sleep apnea, when I explain that it's linked, correlated highly with erectile dysfunction, all of a sudden they were getting much more motivated. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great motivator for them. <laughs> I don't care about my health consequences, but sex life, wow, that's important. Exactly, I don't care if I have a stroke, but telling my penis is not gonna work and I will be really activated, yeah. Yeah. So regarding the stress, I'm really interested because I know a lot of couples have talk about or complain about, oh, they're stressed out at work because they have children. So they're so tired and it impacts their sex life, their sexual health. So does that mean we need to figure out the stress, help them feel like less stressful, feel more chill, relaxed, less anxious, and then they can improve their sex life or there's something they can do the same time while the stress level is still there, like life's still busy. Yeah, I mean, the, the, absolutely. I, say, I would say go at it but from both angles. Stru chronic stress is not good for the body, right? We know this, um, it's really bad for the body. So prioritizing the ways in which you de-stress is really important. And definitely stress kills libido for most people, 85%. With that said, if you feel like you have low libido or low sexual desire, what I generally encourage people to do is actually engage in some type of erotic activity anyway. So maybe that's watching porn, maybe that's making out with your partner for a few minutes and see if you have what we call responsive desire, which is after your body starts to get turned on, you get aroused, you're like, hmm. This sounds fun. I want to keep doing this, right? So if you're stressed out and you're waiting for to have that spontaneous desire for a sexual contact with either solo sex or sex with your partner, you may be waiting a while. Um, so it may be that the stress zaps the spontaneous desire, but that you're still able to have responsive desire if you engage in erotic activity. And sex is a great de-stressor. So orgasm in particular is a great way to kind of release some of the hormones that build up when we're stressed out. Yeah. What you mentioned remind me, I read something recently about, you know, sometimes people are waiting. They feel like I don't have sexual desire. I don't want to have sex and upset their partners. What you mentioned sounds like sometimes we can just go ahead, engage in some kind of these activities. Sexual desire can be built up instead of just passively waiting. Exactly. Yeah. Passively waiting, you may be waiting your whole life, right? It's not, it's not a problem that's going to solve itself. And with sex, that old adage, if you don't use it, you lose it is very real. 
Um, so if it's sexual desire, if you, you just wait until, huh, someday I may feel sexual desire again, you may never, you know, you may be waiting a really long time. So definitely I encourage people to engage with the erotic. That does not mean forcing yourself to have intercourse with your partner, right? But it does mean, um, either reading erotica or, um, masturbating regularly or something like that in order to kind of prime the pump, get your sexual pump primed, um, to want to engage in erotic activity. The other thing is for most women that report low sexual desire, they don't have low sexual desire generally. They have low desire for the sex that they're having, right? So only about 60% of women consistently have an orgasm during sexual encounters. And over, you don't, orgasm is not the end all be all of every sexual encounter. Sometimes you can have a wonderful time without orgasm, but most women report and 82% of couples report that a satisfying sex life is, more, is important for relationship satisfaction, right? So if every single time you're having sex, it is this kind of what I call getting into a sexual rut, you kiss for a minute, maybe there's some genital touching, and then you're having penetrative intercourse for, for speaking about heterosexual couples at the moment, you know, and then you're, it's over in five minutes. You know, a lot of women are not going to want to sign up for that three times a week. You know, um, whereas if in the average woman, they need 20 minutes of direct literal stimulation to orgasm. And so if your whole entire sexual encounter is at lasting seven minutes, and most of it includes penetrative intercourse, then you're not going to want to be having that sex all the time. So that's the other thing to think about, especially if you have, if maybe you have a female partner and you, they're a libido, you have desire discrepancy. They don't seem to be wanting to have sex as frequently. You may think to yourself, I wonder if the sex that we're having is pleasurable to my, my partner. Mm, yeah, I know sex look very different for men and for women. Yeah, so sounds like a lot of couples, they really need to learn and practice and explore each other to figure out what really works for each other. That's right. And don't just assume that low sexual desire is just some kind of, you know, stuck place that you can't get out of. Um, thinking about how do you make your sex life more pleasurable? How do you make a sex more pleasurable? And how do you engage in the erotic, even if you're not spontaneously feeling like it? Right. I know there's some, um, sometimes people talk about, well, maybe certain person just broken. They're just not able to enjoy sex. They're not able to have orgasm. There's something wrong. It's not something you can improve. Every time I hear that, I just feel like, wow, that's, that's cannot be right. That make people feel so hopeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's, there's things you can do to improve um, and definitely ways to um, kind of optimize your sexual wellness. So there, there are no such thing as broken sexual people. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize that there are really effective treatments out there because a lot of people don't talk about sex. It's a very difficult topic for most people to bring up, even with their doctor, they don't talk about sex. So uh, yeah, I was just talking to a colleague who's an OBGYN today, um, and she was talking about how frequently even your OBGYN doesn't bring up sex and how your sex life is and sexual pleasure, right? And they're giving you a gynecological exam. So um, it's a much needed conversation to be having on a much broader level. Yeah, it feels like it's really similar to sleep because in sleep, we always say, well, your body is not broken. You are able to sleep, right? But there are very effective treatment out there. People just don't know about it. Sounds like sex the same. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, behavioral sleep medicine is also a relatively new field. So there aren't a whole lot of us that are board certified in that. And then in sex therapy, it's, there's also not a lot of people that are board certified. So there's basically 900 of us in the entire U.S. Um, that have this board certification. And so, you know, it also makes sense that even if people wanted to get the help 
it's hard to find someone who does this work. Yeah, especially it's hard to find a legit provider. I see so many、uh, sex coach out there, but I'm not sure what is their different names: sex educator, sex consultant, counselor, sex therapist, sex coach. How how do people choose and pick? Yeah, well, I mean, this is one of the the, the problems in the field. One of the re- really regrettable problems is it attracts a lot of just odd, weird people.、Um, so I usually recommend that people go through ASECT, which is a a s e c t dot org. That is the governing body that board certifies people. So by going through that, that doesn't mean there aren't weirdos on there. But by going through there, you at least know that they've had training. They have to agree to a certain ethical code of conduct. For people that are coaches, they, I mean, anyone. Could call themselves a coach, you know, just anybody could,、um, and so there's no guarantee that they've had any form of training that you're safe with them. The world of kind of sexual health and sexual medicine is just ripe for potential trauma. You know, people getting this is a very personal thing that people are working on. I encourage people to be quite careful. Right, that's good to know, and I will put that website on the show note also. So, one more question: When you talk about、uh, relax, use the sex, and engage in these activities, is there any frequency you recommend for sexual activities between couples and versus masturbation? I feel like that's a question I'm often asked by people, but I'm not sure what's the best answer for that. Yeah, and that is a great question. I get it asked all the time, and it's a little bit of a delicate answer because what I like to say is, you really, really, really want to prioritize this aspect of your of your health and well being of your overall wellness, but not put pressure on it. So there's nothing less sexy than pressure, right? And so, how do you as an individual and how do you as a couple balance prioritizing versus pressuring?、Um, oftentimes, when you have one partner who has the lower desire. They feel constantly like berated and pressured and pulled on to have sex, right? And that's there's the last thing that's going to make you feel sexy. With that said, I generally recommend men over the age of thirty not ejaculate, but every seventy two hours, so they can engage in sexual activity more frequently, but not actually ejaculating, but every seventy two hours. With women, the more you masturbate, the better. Assuming it's not getting in the way of your like work life or something, right?、Um, but for women, if they're masturbating quite frequently, daily or every other day, you start to train your body how to experience pleasure. And that doesn't necessarily mean、um, orgasm every time you masturbate, but some type of pleasurable self-touch,、um, whether that be in the shower, whether that be with a toy, whatever it is. The more frequently you're kind of Allowing your body to experience pleasure, the more your body is going to want to experience pleasure, and the more you're going to be hardwired to experience pleasure.、Um, with couples, stages of life, this varies a lot. If you have young kids under five, I'm generally like, just do no harm. <laughs> you know, like if you can get through, if you can get through to when they're you know over five years old,、um, your sex life can bounce back.、Um, for couples that aren't in an acute stress period of life, I generally recommend two times a week or every 72 hours. Not swinging from the rafters intercourse, but some type of erotic contact with your partner every seventy-two hours. And by doing this every seventy-two hours, it becomes almost like you know brushing your teeth or taking a shower in the sense that it would feel really weird if it all of a sudden was missing from your life. Where couples go wrong is they stop engaging in any kind of erotic touch or contact, and then a week goes by, and then two weeks go by, and then three weeks go by, and now it's awkward. Because you're thinking, oh, why aren't they tr- trying to initiate sex, or why isn't she trying to initiate sex, right? And then you have this kind of hurdle to overcome, and then it becomes the sex becomes something that you're stressed about or that you're having arguments about. 
So I think if you can get into that kind of cadence every 72 hours or a couple times a week, again, without pressuring yourself or your partner, you know, I think that's ideal. I really like that to really make it small chunks, like a small engagement of pleasant activity instead of like a huge to-do list. Like I have to do this, have mm-hmm. to nag each other. Let's do it. This is a big project. <laughs> and Yes. We want to hold sex lightly, right? The same with sleep. The more you think about sleep during the day and perseverate about it and worry it's going wrong, the less it's going to go well, right? It's the worse it's going to get. And the same with sexual health. If you're constantly like badgering your partner or feeling guilty or feeling whatever, um, you know, it's not sexy. It's not a, that's not sexy. And I do think I really, really encourage couples to try to avoid falling into an, a rut of intercourse, right? That sex can be making out with your partner. Sex can be holding each other naked as you fall asleep. Sex can be taking a shower together. Sex can be a massage together, right? So there's just many, many, many ways to think about sex that aren't either, you know, somebody's got to be penetrated with something. So. Yeah. Wonderful. Let's rethink about sex. What is a healthy sex? What is a pleasant sex? And then decide what to do, just like sleep, right? Sleep does not look the same for everyone. This is wonderful. So thank you, Dr. Blair. I know you build a really great, successful um, group practice in the Bay Area also. So if people want to look for your service, or any of your provider's service, how can they find you? So the easiest way to find the clinic is just to go to our website, which is the clinicca for California.org, the clinicca.org. And then another resource that may be helpful for you is in February of last year, um, my team and I created an app. Um, it's called Lover. And basically that app is a digital platform for sexual wellness. You know, it solves sexual problems if you have low desire or if you have difficulty with orgasm or erectile dysfunction. Um, And then there's also features, there will be features where you're able to talk to a professional and get consultation through the app, through like texting in the app. So, um, So that may be a helpful resource for people if they're listening and have any kind of sexual problem. That's really cool. I can download it first after our <laughs> conversation to check it out. This is a great resource. I think, especially this year, people have a lot of time to stay at home, either explore it by themselves or with their partners. I'm sure a lot of people start wondering what are some great resources out there like this. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So that can hopefully be of help to people. Cool. Great. I will put all this on the show notes. Thank you again for coming to the show, Dr. Blair. Thank you for your time. Are you ready to drop the burden of performing well and just explore the fun part of sex? I remember another psychologist used to say, sex is really about emotional communication and emotional connection between two persons, not just about how long you last, how well you do. I totally agree with that. And I think after talking to Dr. Blair, I want to add one more thing, that sex is also about building this self-confidence and this connection with ourselves. So if this is something really bother you and you want to seek some professional help, you can go to aasect.org to find board-certified sex therapist, or you can try Dr. Blair's app, The Lover. If you are in California, you can also seek Dr. Blair's service through their website, theclinicca.org. I will put all the links on my show note at deepintosleep.co. Hope today's episode helped you have a really sweet week. Thank you for listening to Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm your host, Ishan. 
I will see you next week. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia.